Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of In Obscuria Podcast. Welcome, welcome. So what is this podcast? This is a, what I'm calling an exhumation of obscure rock and punk and metal in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. So what does that mean? It means that every week we're going to dissect from my personal collection either an artist or an album or a collection of songs from the broad spectrum of rock, punk, metal, from 70s bubblegum to uh, Japanese visual K to anything in between. And so basically, if it's left to center, if it's never been played, or if it's been forgotten, or if I just think it should have been the best band, the biggest band in the world, that's what we're going to play. So my name is Kevin Williams. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Robert Harrison. How's it going? And uh, let's give you a little let's give a little background on who we are and and why we're doing this. So, I'm uh, an avid fan uh, of music since God since I guess it was middle school when I was a little skate punk and I discovered punk rock music. Um, turned on to by my good friend Brandon Still, who we both know, and I'm sure we'll be talking about throughout this. What's up, Brandon? Um. So anyway, uh. Moved from being a fan of all things hardcore, punk, and metal to wanting to play music. I've played drums, I've played guitar, I've played bass. I'm not very good at any of them, but I like to play all of them. I even sing from time to time. I've been in tons of bands, and Robert will probably allude to how we met as being part of one of those bands. But we're, we're basically music guys who now are at the point where we just we want to talk about music. And I've been a, a fan of several podcasts for uh, about the past three or four years, really dived into several um rock podcast uh decibel geek and give some shout outs to my friends decibel geek uh podcast rock city pot of thunder cobras and fire growing up rock podcast there's there's a ton of them great podcasts that are out there if you're not listening to any of those go check them out um they were my inspiration for doing this i've hosted on or guest hosted from time to time on a few of those podcasts so that's the reason i want to dive into this now do we get sponsorship money from them if we mention them we get nothing that's that's the great thing about podcasting it's just like being in a band robert where you play original original music you get nothing oh yeah i remember that you spend more than you make but you have a blast doing it right and you remember some of it they tell you that you have a good time (laughs) and you see pictures so you know you were there yeah i have pictures um, so anyway, I've got a, a whole shit ton of records and music and stuff that I want people to hear. And, and some of you may say, that's not, that's not deep, man. I, I go deeper than that. Well, that's whatever. I'm, this is my podcast and I'm going to play what I want. And I promise you, he's probably going to stump me every single time, even though I've known him for over 20 years and I've heard most of his collection. This guy is an encyclopedia of music and never ceases to surprise me with some of the things he pulls out of his, uh, collection. Uranus. That's a, the end of it's the a question. It's yeah, a that's the one. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, Robert, I, 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 I'm, I think it's going to take about maybe 120 episodes before we <laughs> unravel the enigma, uh, the complexity of the human being that is Robert Harrison. Uh, that's the reason I picked this guy to be my co-host. Um, he's a jack of all trades. Uh, this 
we'll have stories where you're like, this guy does this too. I mean, it's just, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about who you are and how you got here? Well, you're responsible for some of those twists and turns. I think we've known each other for just over 20 years now. Yeah, math, somewhere in there. And Kevin and I met when I moved in next door to him. I think we met at the mailbox or something like that. We got to talk and found out he was a musician. I was that a musician. was not a gay bar, by the way. No, that was not. Yeah. No, that was a different one. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, we met and started talking about music within probably 30 seconds of meeting and found out you know, he plays all kinds of instruments. I was pretty much a guitar player. I was stuck with that. So I became the guitar player and we started writing together. And that was something that I had never written with other people before. And it was a quick learning experience. We had a great time. Before we knew it, we had a band. And then before we knew it, we were making CDs, those things that they had back then. And then we had shows. We went out on kind of a tour. We had a band van. We have the band van. It's still parked across the street in a vacant lot because it's just the world's most badass band van ever. At some point, we should tell the story of Moose because it's amazing. We could do an entire podcast Moose on that. Moose is the van. It's epic. It's got a backstory like you wouldn't believe. Some of it's true. But anyway, so yeah, Kevin opened the door to something that has been a massive part of my life, which is being able to perform on stage. There's nothing like it. It's the best adrenaline rush in the world, and I wish everybody could experience that. But in between those short one-hour sets on stage or maybe two-hour sets on stage, there was a lot of time sitting around before the show, after the show, sitting in the van, driving to the gigs. And inevitably, we were talking about music. We were listening to music and talking about it, and it just was nonstop. And those were the earliest podcasts ever. So this is basically kind of come full circle where we're back together again talking about music, which is one of our favorite things to do. Yep, absolutely. Um, thanks, Robert. And we'll, um, you know, we'll dive much deeper into to the, our background because there's just, there's a whole history there and we'll get into it as we, as we go through the episodes, I think. Um, I have to do the, uh, the, the normal plug yourself kind of thing, especially since we're brand new and I, I'm trying to get folks to listen. So um, please check us out uh, in obscuria.com. I-N-O-B-S-C-U-R-I-A. You're listening to it. You know how to spell it. Why am I spelling it? Anyway, uh, we have Facebook, so like us, share us, uh, recommend us on Facebook. Uh, we have Twitter. We have Instagram. And hopefully by the time this is up, I'll actually post to some of those. Or else it'll just be empty and you can go post to it. Um, so let's let's dive into uh, how we're going to do the show. So... Um, Every week, uh, I will probably be conducting either a seance or <laughs> going to my magic eight ball to see who we're going to exhume. We're, uh, the, we're the grave robbers. I'm going to go down to the crypt, <laughs> and I'm going to pull something that somebody thought was dead long ago. Uh, so I was, I was shaking my ma- magic eight ball, plural, shaking my magic eight ball earlier. And the first thing that came up was the theme of this week, which is from the 90s, rock punk and metal time capsule oh yeah absolutely so, and it, it makes sense right when did we we met in 98 maybe yes 97 98 mm-hmm. somewhere around there so it only makes sense that this is where we'll we'll start our podcast this is kind of where we started our musical journey together um so let's let's dive right into it so the way this is going to work is um i'm basically pulling from my collection right Robert may Robert has no clue who I'm about to play. That and is so, true. <laughs> so I have no clue do, about a lot of things. Yep, remains clueless. <laughs> That's why I picked him. 
so what I'm going to do is, is from the Magic 8-Ball, it told me exactly who I need to pick. I went and picked them. Uh, we're going to play the song. I'm going to do a little intro on it. We're going to play the song, and then I'm just going to let Robert kind of give his feedback on, on what we just heard. If you like it, again, go to those social sites and tell us what you like, or if you didn't like it, say you're full of shit and just let us know that. So with that, we're going to go to the first song here. And let me get all queued up. All right. So the first band um, I actually heard, I graduated college way back in 95. You're old. I'm old. And uh, I remember going back to my alma mater because it was only, uh, so we live in Atlanta. I guess we should mention that. We're in Atlanta, Georgia, U.S. of A. Um, So anyway, I would go back from time to time to my college. It was about two and a half hours away. Uh, just because I still had friends that were going to school when I graduated. And they had this really, really cool record shop called Manifest Records. And this is in a town called Clemson, South Carolina. And uh, it was my favorite go-to place. I must have spent hours upon hours in that store uh, over the course of my you know, six or seven years it took me to graduate college. And um, <laughs> this is one of those. They used to have, they used to have Waltz. So back in the day, we didn't, we didn't go to the Internet for you know, our music. We went to record shops, CDs, and they would have these sections where they would have recommendations. And this was one of those stores where I just trusted what they had. And this was one of those records that they had posted up on the recommendation station. I went and listened to it and thought, oh man, this is badass. So this is a band called Sugartooth. You ever heard of them? I have not. Okay. Surprise. <laughs> so the, the album, so they had two albums. Uh, they were actually signed, um, I believe to Geffen Records, which is a you know pretty big record company, especially at the time. Um, but it's when all of these grunge, post-grunge bands were getting gobbled up, and this just happens to be one of those bands that got signed really early on in, in their uh, short career. Um, and it's got two guys that you've never heard of on vocals and guitar and bass, but the drummer uh, is a guy that a lot of people know. His name is Joey Castillo. You ever heard of Joey? I think he works at the oil change place down the street here. That's him. That's, That's him. him. No, Joey played in. Uh, he played in a punk rock band called Wasted Youth back in the eighties, oh, and then yes. he joined this band, Sugartooth. And uh, he left Sugartooth because uh, Sugartooth only lasted two two albums. He left them and joined a, a group you may have heard of called Danzig. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then Glenn. he then he joined uh, another couple of groups, but he ended up in uh, a band called Queens of the Stone Age. Aha, uh-huh. I see so the lineage there. He was it's in a band called Eagles of Death Metal. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. I've totally heard of those guys. All right. Uh, and then he's, he's currently in a band that I love who I'm going to play on this show at some point called The Bronx. But anyway, this, this drummer's amazing. Um, again, uh, these guys were on Geffen, and, uh, you know, they just didn't, with all the bands that were out at the time, I just don't think they got their fair shake. Uh, but let's take a listen. This is Sugartooth from The Sounds of Solid from 1996 with the track Frisbee, which is track 11 of 12. Check it out.
right, that was Sugar Tooth. What'd you think, man? I can definitely hear them opening up for Sound Garden in 1994, maybe 95, somewhere in there. Well, let's let's see how good you are. Uh, <laughs> let's see this band. So they had a um, they had a modest hit after appearing on an episode of Beavis and Butthead back in the day with their first album. But this is off of their second album. But you are absolutely correct in the bands that they opened for. So they actually opened for Slayer, Super Suckers, Stone Temple Pilots, and Soundgarden. Nice, very good pull. Um, what do you think of the production? I mean, when you're talking about that genre of grungy type music, it seemed to fit right in almost, uh, I'm going to offend a lot of people if I mention the word tool, but uh, with the vocals and kind of a, you know, simple mix that it has, but it definitely has more of the Soundgarden guitar leads on it. And I know you definitely like the uh, bass centric verses that it has when it's just a bass ripping through it. Oh yeah. And I actually think the the players on it... um so it was Mark Hutner on guitar and Josh Bloom on bass. I don't know what happened to those guys. We, the wiki didn't go into it, but um, they were solid, I thought, uh, which makes sense because they were on an album called Sounds of Solid. But the production, so guess who produced this album? Bob Ezra. <laughs> no, it was the Dust Brothers. Do you know who the Dust Brothers are? So they're, they're these L.A. producers that, that did like um, – Oh, they did Beastie Boys, they did uh, Beck's Odelay, they did um, uh, Fight Club soundtrack. They were like okay. a, a big 90s, 2000 kind of producer. But it's weird because I what I heard was like Steve Albini kind of like that Chicago, just raw sound, which I thought was interesting that it's the Dust Brothers who produced that. That fits. I mean, I love when people refer to the raw sound because it also means low production value, which makes me think of some of our recordings. Hey, man, I, I love, I actually love live albums. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, live albums suck, but I loved hearing what the actual instruments sound like in a room. That's that's just me. I don't need 53 tracks of layers to get a point across. I did too. I agree. Anyway, I, I thought that it, it was weird to me that, that I didn't know that that band had any hits or that they had, um, you know, had any success at all. Cause I, when I heard them, I didn't hear them anywhere else other than my CD player at the time. But anyway, I, I just thought it was really pull, cool, cool, pull, cool, cool, pull. Let's try that. All right. So the, the second uh, song that I want to play is, is actually not nearly as obscure as, as I could have gone, but just happens to be one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, so I'm going to go a little goth. Oh, this. we're going to go a little goth. For it this is, next one. it is that time of year. Well, and it was the 90s. So in the 80s, there was a, a band some people may have heard of called Sisters of Mercy. Mm-hmm. All right. So pretty big goth staple. They didn't really have that many albums, had a few albums. Anyway, that band, uh, the main guy in that band stayed. The rest of the band kind of split from him and formed two different bands. And one of the bands is the band I'm going to play. They're called The Mission. In the States they had to go by the name The Mission UK. So for the longest time, I knew them as The Mission UK. I didn't realize that was just something they had to stick on at the end because there was an R&B band. I hear our third co-host. That's our celebrity co-host. He's going to come in a little bit later. That is none other than Ronnie James D.O.G. That's D.O.G. He's original D.O.G. That's right. So anyway... um, don't want to get too much into it. Like I said, they they were a fairly large band, um, but they're kind of in that forgotten 
place because I never hear anybody talk about the mission. Um, but they did do really some big shows. They played some big festivals. They, they've had a ton of albums. Um, I think they had 10 albums in total. In fact, they just had one that came out, uh, maybe two years ago. Uh, but this is off of, uh, this is off of Carved in Sand, which is their third studio album. It came out in 1990, so it just makes the grade here. Um, but I remember being at my grandparents' house. I guess I should back up. I grew up in a small, small town where they didn't allow MTV <laughs> until like 2000. I mean, it was crazy. The cable station there did not have MTV. You had to pipe in sunlight. You're so far in the woods. <laughs> so I would go to my grandparents' house, um, which was another tiny town, but they had MTV. So I would stay up. I'd go there on the weekends if we were visiting, and I would stay up. I'd, I'd ask if I could sleep on the couch, and I would stay up all night and watch MTV because I never got to watch it. And this song actually came on. They had a video for it. And it was a pretty kick-ass, if I remember. I only saw it once, but it was... Uh, a live setting and it was just they just really kicked ass and i thought this song was so catchy and and just really rocking so this is the mission uk from carved in sand 1990 the song is called deliverance this is track five out of ten here you go
UK with Deliverance. That totally brought me back to the 80s. I could absolutely picture that song being played as part of a montage towards the end of a vampire movie. <laughs> it mean, had it kind of that just Lost Boys. Enough, it lost kind of boys. That gives you that Lost Boys. It totally, they're running through the city at night for whatever reason. I can. T- it's just perfect for that. It, if you took the synth out of it, it definitely reminded me of the cult. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the synth intro, it was 1986, 87 all over again, which is not a bad thing. And, and, that's, and that's where these guys got started. I mean, they were, um, I think, 87 was the last Sisters album that these guys were on. Wayne Hussey, who's the singer, his uh, the timbre of his voice always has that um, 
the Colts a good mm-hmm. pull, but I always got kind of a Jim Morrison feel oh, from that too. Absolutely, a lot of the goth bands had that that deep baritone kind of thing going on, but his is just it's just really powerful, and he has kind of a um, a screamy voice at times too, which is really good to kind of mix up what he's doing the, the deeper register. Um, they were as much rock as they were goth so it was kind of a good mix they had a little bit of pop sensibility and they were before they recorded this they were touring with the cure so it it just makes sense to me they were like a bridge between that 80s goth into the 90s they probably had black eyeliner maybe not black fingernails yeah if if i well (laughs) i mean i don't think you're far off if i remember they they sort of looked like they could have been in the doors. They were wearing like kind of psychedelic. Remember that late 80s kind of throwback to the 60s? Oh, yeah. The divinals and all that. But they were doing like a darker version of it. Interesting. So, I picture them all in leather and leather pants and just. Exactly. Trying to be Jim Morrison. Yeah. Hair that hasn't been washed in about <laughs> two, two or three weeks. Yeah. But anyway, it was really cool. Um, I always liked that band and they have a ton of good albums. So at some point, um, I may just decide to do a full mission podcast and we'll just kind of hit the highlights but we'll see we'll see what the seance and what the if it, magic eight ball tells me well but, so far you're two for two i like this all right cool i was ex- i was expecting a little conjecture here so <laughs> just maybe wait. maybe the it's next coming. maybe the next song we'll get there um so we're going to jump right into the next one and uh you'll probably you'll probably know this one or at least you should <laughs> oh man and and the reason i say that is um when Robert and I were in a band, we were in a band called Big Jack Pneumatic. And uh, we had two different incarnations of it. First, we were a three-piece. And then I decided I played mostly drums. And then I decided I wanted to play bass because I'm not very good at anything, but I like to jump around. And so we got a the drummer. The truth is he didn't want to carry all the drums. That is absolutely the truth. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. Being a drummer sucks. It does. You got all that gear. And you tried to get me back into it not too long ago. And I'm like, oh, it's just too much gear. I just can't do it. Um, so anyway, we got a drummer. Uh, it was a guy from Illinois who's an amazing drummer. His name's Kent Arberly. And uh, he moved from... Mattoon, no, what was it? Not Mattoon, Illinois. Uh, uh, he's going to kill us if oh, he's I listening know. to this. Sorry, Kent. Sh- not Champagne. No. Effingham. 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 There we go. Effingham. Uh, anyway, he so he with him, he brought all of his awesome Midwest uh, bands that we had never heard of, and he introduced us to a lot of them. And this next one is one of those bands. Um, they're called Poster Children. Yes. Yeah. So Kent used to talk about the Poster Children all the time. I think he knew them personally. Um, they're real indie rock, uh, DIY, sort of punk, sort of not, you know, r- truly alternative band. Um, it's a... It's a the singer, guitarist, and the bass player are married, um, and I think they they do everything themselves. They're like true artists. In fact, I, I believe I looked up that they are currently professors at the Arts Technology Program at Illinois State University currently. Nice. And they're also still in the Poster Children. The Poster Children still play. And they also host a, uh, a podcast, actually, called Radio Zero, and that's been going on since 1999. That, I didn't even know there was a podcast in 1999. I was pretty sure it was invented in the late 2000s, but I can be completely wrong with that. So it's this is a, a fairly obscure band. I think if you're in the Midwest, you're going to be like, duh, everybody <laughs> knows this band. But down here, I'd never heard of them until Kent came into our picture and, and introduced us to them. And it's a really killer band. Um, I picked a song off of 
an album that I just found at, at a local uh, used record store. And I found a, they had this whole collection of all of these 90s albums that um, I guess a radio station, a college radio station had, and they got rid of all of their inventory. And they took it to this one record sh- store that I shop at. And so I was just pulling all sorts of stuff. And this was one of the, the albums I pulled. Uh, it's called Junior Citizen. It came out in 1995. Um, and it was their, I believe it was their fourth real album. It was on Sire. So they, they got signed to Reprise and then they got kind of passed down to all the different uh, labels that Warner had that were smaller. Uh, this album's on Sire. So it's not like this band was completely obscure. They did a lot of DIY stuff afterwards, um, a lot of releasing their own things. And they, you know, they always drove in a van and did the whole punk ethos of do everything yourself. Um, but anyway, I uh, I pulled the song, which is track number two, which is the title track called Junior Citizen. So enjoy the poster, children. <coughs> Yeah. 
say i never saw them back in the day i remember us talking about them playing them but if i'd seen them back in the day i definitely would have bought some of their merchandise and then downloaded their music illegally uh but there's just nothing better than power chords i'm sorry that's just my opinion right there there's a time and a place for minor chords but every once in a while you got to have some balls the wall rock and roll that's just fun to sing i mean that one i'd never heard the song but by the end of it you can repeat the chorus standing there at the show you got your devil horns up in the air you can repeat the song and sing it to everybody it's it's just a good time it's upbeat get your blood moving makes you want to get out of bed and go to the office if i had to do that but i don't (laughs) so like i said that's just my personal opinion you're always going to hit some songs that are new and they're different that kind of broaden my horizons but that brings it back to what you and i used to play which was just fun rock and most of it was upbeat i think we had one kind of slow song and it wasn't even that slow so you know it's, it's just, still rocked it's still rocked and like i said that's the stuff that i like it's not going to set any records or you know chart any new territory but i love it awesome yeah i mean that band they have some trippier more arty stuff um but for the most part they they just rocked and they were they were kind of straddling in between all these different genres of rock and punk and everything that i love um they actually when that album came out, they played that summer, they played the second stage of Lollapalooza. So they, they did okay. I don't remember 95 who that was. Was that the, Oh wow. Yeah. You're asking me to really go the, back. No, 93 was Alice. In I Chains. can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. This was, I kind of lose, yeah. lose track after like Lala number three. But, but anyway, we played around the same time with another band here locally called Blacklight Poster Boys. You know, they may crop up at some point. At some point. And that, that actually reminded me of that. Not just the name, but just fun, have that, fun rock. did have that kind of sound, Blacklight Post yeah. Boys. Shout out to Curtis. What's up, Curtis? 
All right, so this next song, um, I will go on and say that this probably is one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, wow. And it's and it's weird because this is one of those bands, they only did one album, they only had one single, well, they may have had two singles, but this was they only had one single that did fairly well, this was the song, so... While it's obscure, this was a minor hit at the time, but it's long since forgotten. And the rest of the album sounds nothing like this song. And let me just apologize right now. I've known you for over twenty years, and I don't know what your favorite song is. I don't know what your favorite I didn't color say it was my, is. I said one of my favorites. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's and it's kind of an oddball too. It's like a, a bit of a listen. In, in retrospect, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's really of the time. <laughs> But I like cheese. Well, I think you know I don't shy away from some cheese. Yeah, neither one of us. So I'm not going to go too far into it. There's there's not a lot on this band. I think this guy who wrote the song, um, he still plays and he he does like film scores and or writes music for TV shows and things like that. But they they had this one album. The band is called The Men. Uh, okay. And you know the yes. song, don't you? Okay. All right. So in '92, this song came out. It's called. Uh, well, the album was called The Men. It was by The Men. There were actually two women in the band. Men, 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 men. And there's also a band from Brooklyn now, like a indie band called Walk- The Men. So it's very... Oh, not The Walkmen? No. No, there's The Walkmen, but there's also The Men. The Men. In Brooklyn. So this is not the Brooklyn band. This is, uh, I believe, there's from Santa Monica. Uh, 1992, this song is called Church of Logic, Sin, and Love. surprised by the wind and rain they took off east i think that's what they did they were just two of the wildest bored creatures on earth fed up with work strip bars and loneliness galore in an old oldsmobile that one of them bought off their father they ate up so much road they was grinning <laughs> then they came upon the thing They decided to stop at a diner because they just loved the smell of eggs and coffee. I just had to smoke a cigarette and wear a hat. By the time that they set off again, the sun was starting to set. It made the sky look red like a nuclear egg. One of them said, what do you want more than anything in this whole wide world? Do you want money? Do you want sex? Or do you want all that success? I thought about that myself. came upon the thing.
The thing ahead 60 miles do not miss. Not for the squeamish or depressed. Not for the unbelievers truly obsessed. Something you just don't want to miss. It's the kind of place where space explorers could have landed around 1963, when Kennedy was in Life magazine and everything was aquamarine. Aquamarine. That was a very pleasant trip back. Uh, You didn't sell me on that one, but yes, that was an amazing four-minute-long journey back to a time when alt-rock was the dominant player on terrestrial radio, which is all I had back then, and some cassettes. And that song, it was different because of the spoken word style uh, verse. And then it was pleasantly alternative but yet it had not one but two ripping guitar solos in that which and the is tone man on that oh, guitar yeah, this, i love when it that punches guitar. in the second time even you but we both looked at each other when it punched in the second time and that's sorely missing from alt rock these days it's just it's missing and I, yeah. I, I wish it was still there and what's again what's really weird is and i love that song and i remember uh, i had the tape and i actually have the cd as well um which i, I don't know that you can find it anymore um, but the rest of the album is real mellow and, and not in that same rock and vein, but that song, man, that is one of the m- most memorable songs that in my collection. I, like, I just immediately, it takes me back to 1992. I, I'm driving to summer school. I'm, I'm staying at home after my freshman year in college and I'm driving up to, uh, a university that was about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes away every, every day for summer school that that summer and i just remember i would crank that song just almost every day it got me through the the chemistry that i had to do in that summer (laughs) that that particular summer school okay my memories weren't as clear i think that was about the time that i this is a little bit after i got kicked out of a fraternity in college so uh yeah i was rolling it alone at that point and uh I, I'm going to have to go back and look at my minimal collection. I hate to even call it a collection. It's like two little small travel cases of CDs, but I am pretty sure I've got that CD because that sounds way too familiar. I'm pretty sure I listened to that one. <laughs> and I'm, I agree, everything else in the album, that was back when you would go out and buy a CD because you heard one song on the radio and then you would get it in your car and you'd be so disappointed because <laughs> right. that was the only song and you just yeah. spent $9 for one song and you're just kicking yourself. So you know what I just figured out? 
I, I know what it's like to be a teenage girl in 1988 <laughs> with what you just said. Because every girl that was a teenager in 1988 would hear the syrupy power ballad oh, on the radio. God. And they'd go out and they'd buy the Cinderella Don't album. know what you got till it's gone. And then they'd listen to the rest of it going, what is this? <laughs> It's cock rock. <laughs> that was the end of every hair band at that point because the record companies realized, uh, yeah, that's all we could sell, that one song. And I think this band actually kind of bridges that gap of that whole hair metal scene was going away and alternative was coming in. And even though they're they're nowhere near punk, which you know a lot of the, the alternative bands pulled from at the time, it, this is definitely one of those transitional songs, I think. No, that was, once again, it was uh, a time when kind of anything went uh, back – Early 90s to the mid 90s, alternative was a pretty broad term. And once again, a song that had spoken word. It wasn't even a term. Versus, it was a term. Yes, exactly. It was, it was co- if I remember right, it was college music. College music, college, college rock. rock. Like yeah, it was, it was college rock. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on the, uh, the early 90s theme here. So the next year, 1993, um, again, I'm just going to go to my personal background here. I'm, I'm doing an internship. I'm trying to get out of college i'm doing an internship i'm at this printer you're wearing uh, khaki pants and tennis shoes because that's what you were wearing probably, when i met you probably right you just came home from work in khaki pants and white tennis shoes i was, I was killing the ladies you were killing the ladies this is before you met your fashion designer that you married <laughs> yeah right um so anyway i remember i'm working at this printer because uh somebody got me a job at this print shop and this there's this old guy who's doing um I don't know, some of the manual, like, color stripping, which is how they – it does. it's not stripping, by the way. But it's called color stripping. So, anyway, printing that, stuff. That's a different podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> anyway, this guy, he would tell me uh, all these bands that he saw. He was probably, at the time, he was probably in his 50s. And he would tell me about, oh, man, I saw Hendrix. Uh, you know, I saw the Kinks when they first came to the U.S. He, so, he saw all these amazing shows. So, we bonded over, over this. And one morning, he used to listen to NPR. And one morning, he came in and he's like, man – I heard a band you got to hear on NPR. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's right. where we get all of our music tips from. That's that's what I listen to. Not. So lay it on me. And he's like, oh, you got to hear this heavy liquid. And he didn't know the, he didn't know the name of the band. He's like, heavy liquid. I'm like, what is heavy liquid? So like, you got to listen to heavy liquid. And so finally I, I, I found, I don't know, in, in a magazine or something, there's a band called The Hypnotics. And they're from England and they had... Um, they're kind of a garage psychedelic band, um, but in 1993 they have an album that's produced by Chris Robinson, Black Crows, and so this is kind of their their bridge to their English. So this is kind of their bridge to America. They get Chris Robinson to produce it. It's on American Records, um, which I think is was part of Def Jam, Def American, that sort of thing. They couldn't do that now because the whole Brexit thing. <laughs> You're right. Anyway, <laughs> didn't know where you are going with that one. Uh, but anyway, so they have like a kind of a, a retro 70s, 60s kind of sound, but this song is badass. That dude was right on. And I actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sent this to Aaron Camaro, the decibel geek, because uh, I was listening to it like, oh, Aaron needs to know about this song. He would dig this. So let's see if you dig it. It's called Heavy Liquid. It's, it's not a short song. It's like seven minutes, but man, it's it's seven minutes of heavy liquid. <laughs> Thank you. 
What'd you think, man? So Lenny Kravitz got to start playing with them, right? <laughs> yeah, Lenny had already been out for a while, but man, I was when I heard that, I was like, whoa, because I was I was just getting into like uh, early '70s, kind of digging into some of that groovy like grand funk kind of stuff, and that it, it sounded like the music I was just kind of getting introduced to, mm-hmm. but it was new. I was like, oh my god! And to me, um, it doesn't it doesn't really sound anything like the Black Crows. But I get the whole production vibe. It does have a very similar production vibe to some of the Black Rose stuff, except the guitar is just so fuzzy and awesome. I mean, it started off, we were looking at each other, trying to figure out if that was a bass running through about 15 different effect pedals or if that was a guitar. Baritone guitar. Baritone guitar or something. But that was straight out of late 60s, early 70s. And then the lyrics kick in, and he's talking about waking up on a Sunday morning with liquid metal or heavy, 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 he's been heavy, drinking too much. Yeah, and I'm like, I've been there. I, I, I can definitely empathize with that. And that's he captured the feeling of waking up with the bass line, uh, reminding me of the my head throbbing like it always did about first thing Sunday morning, getting up and trying to get moving. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard some psychedelic influences of the Black Crows. They've dabbled in that, and you could tell that they wanted to go further with it. But this was a, a great example of just a nice blend of some grungy psychedelic rock. Yeah, and I, I, I'm trying to remember my, my Black Crows album off the top of my head, but I think um, this was around the time of Amorica, Maybe maybe this influenced a little bit of Amorica because Amorica to me had a little bit more of an edge to it. Uh, it was a little bit more of a darker album, and I think this was around the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, possibly could have influenced it. And these guys again, they're from England. They um, they would play the Viper Room, and they would they were kind of trendy at the time, but they they just never quite broke. And I think before this, I think the bass player quit before this album was recorded, and they went to their original bass player. And he OD'd <laughs> before they even recorded. And so the other, the guy that had left came back and they recorded this album. So, it, you know, it was a pretty, I think it was a pretty heavy album. You can hear it in in kind of the music, kind of what the band's going through, mm-hmm. just putting everything out there. And the, the whole album's like that. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant album. And I actually, last year they re-released all of uh, the hypnotic stuff on vinyl. And I picked up the box set and... Um, they have four albums and they're all brilliant. It's really, really good. So if uh, if you can find it, check it out, or just go YouTube it. All right, so I got I got one more song to play out, and uh, uh, Robert knows that it just wouldn't be it wouldn't be me unless I threw some progressive rock in here somehow. So for the next twenty minutes. So enjoy yeah, enjoy the next thirty five minute track. No, no, not quite that bad. Uh, this this band um, is another one of those that I I found at Manifest Music in Clemson when I was there, and there was a guy that worked there, and he he was a metal dude, and he um he was always trying to get me to pick up these albums that he liked, which were like real screamy guys, and I wasn't really into the death metal screamy kind of thing at the time. Because uh, I have more of a punk rock background, but I liked everything, but I just wasn't into that kind of metal. And he's like, you need to check out this band. And there were two bands he turned me on to uh, that year. One was Caius, mm-hmm. an amazing band, right? And, and later on, they become Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and this band, which is a band called Mind Over Four. No. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. So anyway, they have um, they had uh, five albums. And this is off of their fourth album. This is, happens to be my favorite album. The album before this, um, I think from a from an industry perspective, did better. I think they had like a minor hit, 
although it was it was still fairly underground. And uh, before this album came out, um, the singer of this band actually auditioned for Anthrax. It was around the time when Joey Belladonna left Anthrax, mm-hmm. and this guy Spike Xavier um, went for the gig with with Anthrax. But John Bush from Armored Saint ended up getting that gig. But I, I don't see. I mean, I know why they didn't pick him because it just when you hear this guy's voice, it's like. Honestly, it's slightly off key, but it's cool. Like it's you never said that about my guitar. It was just off key. <laughs> I said it, it was just your, out of I said it about your vocals all the time. Oh, okay, <laughs> you could have sung for this band. I'm just kidding, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, thank you, Auto Tune. It, it's, it's kind of <laughs> thank God for Auto Tune. Um, but anyway, it's it's an interesting voice, and the to me, the real star of this band is is the guitarist, and you can tell he's a jazz dude because he's the chords he plays just they don't really make sense. Yeah, that's the um, epitome of jazz. Yeah, pretty much. But it rocks at the same time. So this band started off as like a like a hardcore kind of punk band, and then they morphed into this metal slash progressive metal band by the time they ended. And uh, they, I think they hung it up in 1995. But again, this is from 93. This is Mind Over 4 off of the album called Halfway Down. Uh, and this is track 12 of 13. The uh, song's called Funny Pocket. Check out Funny Pocket.
standard uh, chord progression. Oh, yeah, straight four, four. Straight four. Oh, yeah. Three and a half minutes in and out, verse, course, verse. I have to say that was pretty accurate uh, air drumming you were doing during the song there. I was very impressed. Thanks. I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a pretty much a star air drummer. Good to, good to see your chops are still there. Yeah, I know. That's a, it's a really weird, um, and I picked the weirdest song on the whole album. It's just a weird band, and I for some reason I just love it. I love all the twists and turns. But I'm glad you mentioned the part about him auditioning for Anthrax because during that I could picture that it was it was you close. Could? It was close. I, I don't mean, think I could. I don't I, think I could see it. I'm not. I'm not saying it would have been perfect, but I could see it fitting in somewhere in that realm of <laughs> what we know as Anthrax. I thought it's something I saw on Wikipedia that I thought was kind of cool about this band is. Um, I guess a claim to fame, if you will. It says on the back cover photo of the Pantera album, Vulgar Display of Power, Phil and Selmo can be seen wearing one of the band's T-shirts. Wow. That is the most they made it. obscure they made it. reference to still say you made it. That was in the Wikipedia. The, they were stretching. They were really <laughs> stretching. I mean, come on. They could have called this guy's brother in Iowa somewhere and asked you know, hey, what's he up to these days? <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome, though. It's like, dude, Phil's wearing our T-shirt on the back of one of their albums. I would actually be the same way. I would, I, I would put that on my Facebook cover. I was there. Yeah, I uh, I got to, We Hey, you know what? We've had our picture taken with who? I don't know. Who did we have a picture? Gene, oh, come on. Gene and Paul. We paid for that. You don't you have to tell people that. <laughs> There's a difference when you pay it, for it. It doesn't say that in the picture. It's just the picture of us hanging out with Gene and Paul. There's an obscure band for you. Yeah, yeah super we, uh, obscure. We'll, we'll dive into so that one day. so obscure they have their own crews. <laughs> <laughs> money, so Robert money, money, did, money. Robert and I went on, what, Kiss Cruise 5? I think it was number 5, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good time. But that's, uh, that's a different podcast, and I'm still paying off the alcohol tab for that cruise. That's the other six podcasts I listen to. They talk about that. So <laughs> we'll leave that to Mr. Shout out to yes. all the rest of the crew. Um, so, hey, man. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me in episode one. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate the Wayback Machine, the memories. I like the new stuff. Uh, is is this playlist going to be available on SoundCloud? You know what? Anything? The, what the, the podcast will be on days? SoundCloud. What we should do is... You should have a playlist where I can just listen to the music without having to hear myself. It would be, it'd be kind of an interesting game to see if we could build a Spotify playlist. I guarantee I like that. you most I like of that. these songs will not be there. But we can try. <laughs> well, are you allowed to upload your own songs You're and then, not allowed and then to listen to your own it? Songs, no. But if if we can try, it, it would be an interesting game to see how obscure is in obscuria. It's, can it be found how many on Spotify? Songs? Well, today's episode we got at least one. I know. Yeah, I think you're right. We yeah, the men. I, I w- yeah, I would say the men was probably probably. Be, I, I would say the mission would definitely be on there as well. Yeah, definitely mission. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, again, go to inobscuria.com. We were on the Facebook, on the Twitter. We were on the, the Insta thing. We're on all the social. That's how cool we are. All three of them. All three of them, actually. <laughs> that's, that's how cool we are. Hey, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for stopping by. Rock on. <laughs>